On today's episode, it was a bit of a tough weekend for the Chicago Blackhawks. They dropped both games over the weekend, falling 4-3 to the Buffalo Sabres in overtime and 4-3 to the Minnesota Wild in a shootout. And they also found out that top-pairing defenseman Seth Jones will be out for the next three to four weeks due to a right thumb injury. I'll get into all of that right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, October 31st. Happy Halloween to everyone out there. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you can also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talkin' Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, then please make sure to go and show some support first by following the podcast. Go and rate the show with five stars if you like what you're hearing today as well. And if you're tuning in through Apple Podcasts or through Spotify, then feel free to also go and leave me a review. And the best part about it all is that it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast. Go and follow the show right now and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you're not already watching the video version of today's episode, then you got to be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. Because every episode, folks, throughout the rest of the regular season is going to have a video uploaded to YouTube as well. So if you haven't done so yet, please do me a huge favor. Go and take the quick two seconds that it takes to subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. It's 100% for free. And it really helps me out more than you all know. So please go and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks if you haven't done so already. Go and smash the like button down below as well. And comment as to how you're feeling about the Blackhawks during their current three-game losing streak. Are you frustrated? Are you still feeling positive because they've been close games? Let me know how you're feeling about the Blackhawks right now. Last, go and turn on the push notifications, go and ring that bell, and that way you can get notified when the episode gets uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right, good morning, everyone. Thank you all again for joining me for another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. And thank you all for making the show your first listen here to start off your week. Again, happy Halloween to everyone out there listening to the show. I hope you all celebrated over the weekend, had some fun with friends and family. Hope you enjoyed all that good stuff. As for me, uh, I kind of took this weekend to just lay low and relax. The Blackhawks also played on both Saturday and Sunday. Obviously, I'm not going to miss NFL football, so very kicked back and relaxing weekend for your boy, which was very welcoming after I spent last weekend down at the University of Missouri for homecoming. And that really took the life out of me, and uh, I felt like I got all my celebrating finished for the month of October there. So relaxing weekend for me, but again, hope everyone out there enjoyed their Halloween weekends. Uh, to open things up on the show here this morning, we have a lot to get into, Blackhawks fans, because a lot went down over the weekend. As I already mentioned, two games for the Chicago Blackhawks back-to-back on Saturday and Sunday night. And unfortunately, we also found out that defenseman Seth Jones will miss the next three to four weeks 
due to a right thumb injury. So a lot to get into. Figured I'd kind of go about this in chronological order, starting on Saturday night with the game against the Buffalo Sabres up in Buffalo, Key Bank Center. The Blackhawks, it was an interesting game. They started slow once again. Failed to score first for the seventh time in their first eight games. Uh, it was a weird first period, too. It kind of kept on with the theme of Thursday night's game against the Edmonton Oilers, which I was in attendance for, and it was the wackiest game I've actually ever seen in my entire life. 19 penalties called, I believe it was. The Blackhawks had 10 power plays. The Oilers had seven. Uh, it was ludicrous. And, and that theme kind of carried over to the first period against Buffalo. Victor Olofsson scores, but then the goal gets waved off. Uh, they actually go back in time because of, you know, they overturned the goal and they had to cut some of the time back. Olofsson ends up scoring seven seconds later after the review. So it's like he went back in time and scored a goal after he already scored a goal. It was a really weird situation, but uh, the Blackhawks give up the first goal yet again, but did uh, find a way to score the next three, even though they probably weren't the better team. They were the ones stuck in their end for the majority of the night. I'll get into the play of Arvid Soderblom and his first start of the season with the Blackhawks here in just a moment, but he was a key reason why the Blackhawks uh, only gave up one goal through the opening for 40 minutes, but the Blackhawks, even though they were getting outplayed, they kept it simple. They they did all the little things right, and all three of their goals, if you go back and look at them, they were pretty much all the same. I mean, just net mouse skirmishes making the simple plays, getting the puck on net from the point, causing havoc, getting traffic in front of Sabres goaltender Craig Anderson. Uh, and all three were basically off of rebounds. The first one winds up getting credited to Jason Dickinson for his third of the season, although I'm not really sure he was the one that put this in. It looked like it could have been Andreas Athanasiu or uh, Mackenzie Entwistle, who was actually credited with the goal momentarily, which would have been the first power play goal of his career, unfortunately, for McKenzie. They end up giving it back to Dickinson. Uh, but then the second one, oh, Sam Lafferty, same thing, net mouse skirmish, and then Taylor Radish on a shot from uh, Kurashev at the point. Radish is there, picks up the rebound with his backhand and puts it into the yawning cage. All three of those guys with their third goals of the season. And yeah, the Blackhawks played a simple but effective game against Buffalo. And even though they were kind of getting outplayed and getting outshot and outchanced. They were up 3-1 to one going into the third period. But then in the final 20, the Blackhawks, issues that have kind of plagued them all year defensively, wound up catching up to them here again. They get sloppy in front of their own netminder. I feel like that's really been the one key issue with this defense. They've kind of been out-muscled in front of their own tendy. Uh, haven't done a good job of tying up sticks. I felt like they've given up a lot of redirect goals or a lot of rebound goals from there in the slot. And that's what happened in the third. Tage Thompson kind of gets body position, which to be fair, he's six foot eight. He's going to do that against most defensemen. Uh, but he ends up cashing in for two goals in a row uh, right out in front to tie the game up three to three and force this one into overtime. But just before the game went into OT, the captain, Jonathan Taves, made another crucial mistake late. He ends up taking a tripping penalty that gave the Sabres a power play in overtime. And then Victor Olofsson with a one-timer in OT seals the deal with the GWG. And no doubt about it, Jonathan Taves has looked tremendous here in the early going of the season. I don't think anyone will dispute that. He's been tremendous at the dot. 
incredible offensively, as good as he's been since his return, uh, making an impact on both sides of of the uh, both ends of the ice. It's been awesome. But you know that turnover that he had late against Edmonton on Thursday cost the Blackhawks the game. Leon Drysital pots the GWG late. Here he takes a tripping penalty in the final minute that gives the Sabers the OT win. Uh, yeah, no doubt Taze has been good, but a few costly mistakes late here as of recently uh, against both the Edmonton Oilers and the Buffalo Sabres uh, winds up costing the Blackhawks. They do pick up one point, though, for their efforts. They probably didn't deserve it, uh, but the reason they did was mostly thanks to the play of Arvid Soderblom and Nett making his first start of the season and just his third NHL start of his entire career. He, he's still... Uh, I believe only 23 years old and won't be 24 until August, if I'm correct. Uh, so still a little bit raw in terms of, you know, what you expect from a goaltender at the NHL level. Like goaltenders just take the longest time to to be mature enough to uh, handle this job. And I, I think Soderblom, there were clearly some flaws in his technique. And um, I, I thought his positioning was, you know, decent at best, but what I will say is he's a big goaltender who knows how to cut down angles. His glove looked terrific. I mean, he had four or five really big glove saves uh, throughout the night, and he also made some acrobatic saves too. So it looks like he has the reflexes and the reactions to kind of make up for those uh, deficiencies right now. The hope is that, you know, with more games, more experience, more ice time, uh, he'll kind of round out those issues and become sturdier and more consistent with his positioning. and just with his overall fundamentals. Um, but he certainly made up for that with some tremendous saves against Buffalo. And in the third period, uh, the Sabres came hard when they were down late, and they could have won this game in regulation. Arvin Soderblom was really good, and I, I was really impressed with what I saw. So uh, tip of the cap to Soderblom. He really did <laughs> everything in his power to pick up his first career NHL victory. But unfortunately, uh, the Blackhawks defense in front of him kind of let him down to breakdowns in the third period to let Tage Thompson tie the game. And then, of course, Jonathan Taves with the late penalty didn't do Soderblom or his team any favors either. So uh, a tough loss to for the Blackhawks here in Buffalo. They really uh, let this one slip out of their grasp up 3-1 to one in the third period. Can't really let those ones go, but early on in the season, it happens. They do at least pick up a point in the process. So that one's kind of in the rear view, but disappointing that they weren't able to come out with uh, two points. And then prior to the Minnesota game, the Blackhawks also announced that defenseman Seth Jones will be out for the next three to four weeks due to a right thumb injury, a devastating blow for the Blackhawks defense. Jones has kind of been up and down to start the year. I feel like it's kind of the same story as last year. He'll just have those defensive breakdowns from time to time where you're like, okay, he's just, Probably not consistent enough to be a true, you know, top pairing number one guy. But offensively, there's no denying what he's able to do. He's a really good puck mover. Uh, he obviously logs huge minutes for the Blackhawks. I think just the consistency is the biggest thing for me because there will be nights where he looks like he's one of the most dominating players out there and he doesn't have any defensive blunders. And then, you know, the next game he could have two or three and he's one of the lowest in terms of the analytics and giving up scoring chances and, and that stuff. So. Um, even though it's been an up and down year for Jones, I, I still think this is obviously a huge loss for the Blackhawks based on just what he's able to do. I mean, play 27, 28 minutes a night in all situations. Obviously he wears a letter. He's a leader for this team here now. 
Uh, and it's going to be a challenge for the Blackhawks defensively without him. They were, you know, just kind of getting things back with Jake McCabe finally healthy. Um, things were kind of heading into the right direction. But, yeah, tough blow here for the Hawks. They're going to have to rely on uh, uh, an approach by committee with Jones out. That's what we saw against Minnesota. I'll get that get into that here in, in just a second. But a lot of guys are definitely going to have to step up. Uh, I, I think, though, it is going to be interesting to see what happens here on defense now that the Hawks only have six healthy. Feels like a good situation to call somebody up. Um, maybe we see Alec Regula. Maybe we see Alex Vlasic. feel like Regula may be the more likely of the two. Uh, I've seen some people say Ian Mitchell as well should be returning soon from an injury, although I did see that he's kind of just skating. So feels like he's a little bit longer. Uh, it's going to be a little bit longer of a process than we originally expected. I believe it was Ben Pope who joined the show here recently, tweeted out last week that uh, it's week five out of six. Ian Mitchell was announced to be out for six weeks. This is the fifth week since that announcement, and he's kind of now just starting to skate and stick handle. So <clears throat> he seems to be a little bit uh, further away than we had first anticipated. Could be like a seven or an eight-week uh, timeline now. So I think Mitchell probably uh, is a little bit too far away to be in consideration. But once he is healthy, if Jones is still out, I feel like the Blackhawks are going to give him a chance. Um, maybe they do want to ease him along and have him start out in Rockford, given that he didn't have a training camp or a preseason or anything. That would probably be the smarter idea, I would say. So just thinking about it right now, I feel like if anyone's going to get called up, it's probably Alec Regula. The Blackhawks could use another guy, another right-handed guy. Uh, they had Caleb Jones, a lefty, playing the right side, and Jake McCabe playing the right side. So uh, Connor Murphy's the only right-handed defenseman that they have up <clears throat> at the NHL level right now. So because of that, I feel like. Alec Regula would fit in nicely right now. But yeah, we're obviously going to uh, have to wait and see what happens. But definitely a devastating blow for the Blackhawks that Seth Jones, top pairing defenseman, huge minute eater, is now going to be out for the next three to four weeks. All right. Oh, that was terrible. All right. <laughs> there are some of my thoughts on the Blackhawks. First loss of the weekend to the Buffalo Sabres and Seth Jones being out for the next three to four weeks. Coming up in just a moment, I will get into their second four to three loss in a row, this time to the Minnesota Wild on Sunday. But first, I got to talk to you all about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. You can find all of the latest football developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts on whatever game you want to place a wager on. Bet Online is also your continued source for all sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and game scores. It's both the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including the MLB, NHL, NBA, boxing, UFC, and even golf. They have everything. So head on over to the website today, or you can also use your mobile device to learn more right now about all of the trends in action. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, segment two. Last night, the Chicago Blackhawks were back at the United Center, wrapping up their weekend back-to-back -back with a matchup against the division rival Minnesota Wild for the first time this season. And I got to say, I really enjoyed seeing this rivalry spark back up, at least in a competitive bout once again, because uh, it just seemed like over the past two or three years, the Wild really 
uh, have had the Blackhawks number. But last night, this was a fun, entertaining, chippy game from start to finish. You could tell it was a little bit heated. Uh, Obviously, Max Domi and Tyson Jost had that encounter late in the game. Uh, Ryan Hartman, former Blackhawk, tried to fight Jared Tenorti, which I don't think was a very good idea. Jared Tenorti is a big boy, six foot six. Ryan Hartman's not even six foot. So, you know, I, I, uh, I give him credit. I, I have never doubted the dog in Ryan Hartman and his willingness to uh, do whatever it takes or his willingness not to back down from any challenge. I have no doubts about that whatsoever, but I don't know if this was the right decision for Hartman to go and drop the gloves against uh, a heavyweight in Jared Tenorti and Looks like he ended up injuring his shoulder somehow in the encounter. There weren't really even any punches thrown, but uh, right after the, the scuffle, Hartsey went straight off, exited straight to the Minnesota Wild dressing room and didn't return for the rest of the game. So tough that that was the result for Hartman, uh, but Max Domi obviously pounded Tyson Jost. I mean, that's why you don't go and hit Patrick Kane. It just isn't worth it, folks. If you're thinking about hitting number 88, especially when it's in the back and you're hitting him into the boards, taking advantage of him when he's not looking, you're going to pay for it. Max Domi may have only played nine games in his Blackhawks career thus far, but if there's one thing that's clear, it's that he and Patrick Kane have established a really good relationship. We saw that when they were training in the summer prior to training camp, throughout camp in the preseason. Coach Luke Richardson kept them together. We've seen that carry over here to the start of the season. And Max Domi has made it known already, you don't mess with Patrick Kane. And when you do, you're going to get the hands. And it's kind of funny because over the years, if you can just, you can go and look up on Twitter, you can look up at Talk and Hockey and then just look up Domi. I hated the guy for years and years and years. But it's funny how it's just one of those typical situations we see often in hockey. You hate a guy when you play against him, when he's on your team, you love him and you love what he does for you. And it's just so ironic, but Max Domi, yeah, I I loved it last night. I had no problem with him taking that penalty, none whatsoever. I don't care that it was a close game and the Blackhawks were going to the power play. Look, we want to win. Yes. And the players out there want to win, but more so than anything, it's about sending a message, setting a precedent. We're not taking any of that crap. We're not doing that. And Max Domi's been known not to take any of that throughout the year or throughout his years. So I had no problem with it whatsoever. I loved him sticking up for Patrick Kane. Uh, something we honestly, I feel like could have used more of these last couple of seasons. It, like, it, it felt like there were times where guys were just kind of reluctant to step up. And it's nice to have Max Domi be able to do that along with uh, playing a good offensive game as well here to open up the season. So credit to Max Domi. Uh, It was funny seeing Patrick Kane kind of mouth to the bench. I I tried to hold him back. It it just wasn't going to happen. Mad Max was fully out, and I was here for it. And then so was Kaner. He went over to the penalty box and tapped up Domi uh, for sticking up for him. Kind of a cool moment there. So no problem with me whatsoever. Uh, No problem from me whatsoever with that penalty from Domi. In this season, we're not going to win the Stanley Cup. Like Losses aren't going to kill us at the end of the day. They might even help us. So. No problem from my end. Uh, But yeah, this was just a fun and and chippy close game between the Chicago Blackhawks and Minnesota Wild, as it deserves to be. Um, It's fun when you have these central division rivalries like the Wild, like the St. Louis Blues, like when the Blackhawks were competitive. I loved those games and I loved getting fired up about them. And 
uh, the Blackhawks just haven't been able to really make it a rivalry these last few years with uh, the way that they've played. So nice to see under Luke Richardson, more so than anything, which I'll talk about again here in just a second, compete level and the intensity. It's been there every night, uh, even though there are stretches where they're not playing good hockey and they're clearly getting outplayed the third period last night against Minnesota. They find ways, and that's what we can live with as a fan. But good to see that this game was close. Good to see, actually, that the Blackhawks scored the first goal of the game for the second time this season. Jake McCabe with his uh, first of the season, set up by Sam Lafferty, who just keeps making things happen. Uh, Nice play by Lafferty in the O-zone to find McCabe at the point. Shot through traffic, finds its way home. Uh, And that put the Blackhawks ahead one to nothing. But, but, and this was a common theme, 22 seconds later, (sighs) just a ridiculous sequence by Jake McCabe, by the way. I I hope all of you saw the tweet, uh, but Jake McCabe, after getting his first goal of the season, had a really funny and unfortunate sequence of events. So he goes and makes a hit at the blue line, stands, stands up to play at the blue line like he should have. Unfortunately, he loses his stick in the process. The puck falls right to his skates. What do you do without your stick? Well, you kick the puck. Yeah, right play, Jake. He goes and kicks it. What's it do? It hits his stick. That's on the ice right in front of him. So the Blackhawks aren't able to clear the zone. The puck ends up finding its way two seconds later to Matt Boldy all alone in front of the net, and he beats Alex Taylock five-hole to die the game one-to-one. Just like, oh my gosh, so funny and so unfortunate at the same time. Um, Yeah, toughy for the Blackhawks there. Minnesota ends up taking a 2-1 lead after 20. Blackhawks do tie it up, though, in the second. Jonathan Taves. Keeps making it happen. Scores his team-leading fifth goal of the season. Nice play by Kurashev to just throw it to the center there. Taves is able to get a piece of it with his backhand. He now has points in five consecutive games. Won 15 of 18 faceoffs last night. Is Prime Jonathan Taves back? He might be, folks. He keeps looking sharp, and he has had those costly mistakes. Don't get me wrong. It's been brutal. Jonathan Taves has been an absolute beast to open up the year. Five goals in nine games. It took him like 40 or something to get to the five-goal plateau last season. Uh, And Kershev, too, continues to look worthy of being promoted up to that second line with Taves and Radish. Nice primary assist there. Kershev has five points in his last seven games. Really strong start to the season for Kershev as well. This game wound up being tied 2-2 to through 40 minutes. Uh, But then in the third... Same thing happened to the Blackhawks in the first period. They come out, they end up taking the 3-2 lead. Andreas Athanasiu, oh my goodness, Grease Lightning, absolutely put Matt Dumba in a blender. Forehand, backhand, shelf past Marc-Andre Fleury, early goal of the year candidate. Oh my goodness, Andreas Athanasiu, it was ridiculous. His third goal of the season put the Blackhawks ahead. Matt Dumb was probably still wondering where his jockstrap is. It was insane. One of the best goals I've ever seen. Unfortunately, the Blackhawks followed it up by giving up a goal 16 seconds later. And who else? But Matt Boldy, Seth Paul. I did a crossover with him on Saturday night. Ahead of this matchup, he predicted Matt Boldy would score two goals. Unbelievable. Seth Dradamus in full effect. Boldy ties the game 3-3. Three to three. Ugh. The Blackhawks, man, that was a theme for them last year. Whenever they scored, uh, not whenever they scored, but felt like oh, too many times at least when they scored, 
just seconds later, they give it right back. That's something they got to work on. It's already happened a few times this season. Uh, that's something that Luke Richardson has to wipe clear of the slate. The Blackhawks got to get that out. Can't let it happen two times in the same game. And that's kind of what ultimately ended up costing them. The Minnesota Wild go on a really strong run in the third period, uh, kind of dominated the Blackhawks to make all the analytical numbers seem a little bit more lopsided than they were. Uh, I didn't think the Blackhawks were on their A game again, but again, that they were consistent. They fought hard, found a way to get this one to overtime, largely in part to Alex Daylock making some big saves in the third period. Uh, it winds up going to a shootout. Fortunately, Blackhawks just couldn't solve Marc-Andre Fleury. And to add some salt into the wound, he makes a nice save on Patrick Kane. And as Kaner's skating away in the shootout, Fleury goes, no, no, no. Freddie Goudreau in the third round puts home the game winner. The Blackhawks fall 4-3 to three for the second consecutive night. Uh, and with that, the Blackhawks have now lost three consecutive games after getting off to a 4-2-0 start. The record is now down to 4-3-2. But again, something I've referenced already a few times here in this episode, the compete level, the effort, it's been there for the most part every night, and they found a way to make every game close. And with, with that being the case, as a fan, I can live with it. I can be excited about this Blackhawks team. There's a lot of things to be excited about right now. Look at how well the second line has been doing. Philip Kershev is off to a terrific start and looks like he might have more top six upside than some of us have given him credit for. I kind of have painted him as a 40-point guy, maybe as a ceiling, maybe 50, but he might have more offensive ability than I gave him credit for. Jonathan Taves, tremendous. Taylor Radish, tremendous. Tyler Johnson, sadly, is hurt, but he was off to a hot start. Domi and Athanasiu are really starting to pick it up. The Blackhawks are getting production from their bottom six. The third line has been incredible. Jason Dickinson looks like a hell of a pickup. Sam Lafferty keeps on producing uh, the defense, even though it's on paper probably one of the worst in the league. I think they've been better than what we all could have expected. There's some blunders there. Sure, that was to be expected. But for the most part, I've thought the Blackhawks defense has been all right. And the PK, while they are ranked in the bottom third of the league, that's mostly due to just two horrendous games against the Colorado Avalanche and the Edmonton Oilers where they gave up three PPGs in each. Other than that, the PK really hasn't been an issue. The power play has been really good here to open up the season. The goaltending, even though it's Morazic and Stalock, Arvid Soderblom in his first start, I thought he's looked pretty good. And just the overall fire and intensity that this team has brought through their first nine games. Every game has been close. They found a way to be in every game, basically. Even the opener against the Avs, they lost by multiple goals. Yeah, they at least made things interesting a little bit in the third period. Like, this Blackhawks team has the ability, at least from what they've shown us so far, it looks like, to compete night in and night out. And as a fan, I can live with that. The losses, while we've lost three in a row, all three of those games, I think there's still positives to take away from that. A really, really good effort against a sound Edmonton Oilers team that's expected to be one of the best in the Western Conference this season. The Minnesota Wild, off to a shaky start, yeah. Don't get it twisted. Still a really good team that's probably going to compete for a playoff spot. Heck, probably will still end up qualifying for the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Blackhawks are hanging in with them. They were without Seth Jones, without Peter Mrazek. The defense is, you know, not the best NHL caliber defense. And here the Blackhawks are competing hard night in and night out. I'm okay with that. And if this is the storyline throughout the rest of the way, honestly, 
I'm going to be super thrilled from Luke Richardson's first year, first year of this rebuild. Uh, four, three, and two. I know the Blackhawks have lost three in a row. They now have more losses than they do wins. That's also not the worst thing in the world. And if there's still positives in those losses, they make them a lot easier to swallow. So I've been definitely pleased with the Blackhawks start. All these losses, I've liked their game. I've liked the fact that they've been able to keep it close. Um, I can live with that. that. That's really all I got to say about the Blackhawks start. Um, I'm happier than I really thought I would be through nine games, folks. Before I wrap up the show today, I can't forget about our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here live on the show. Got a couple minutes left. We're starting to get up there, so I'll try to run through these as fast as possible. Don't want to run too long over the 30-minute mark, but the first question I wanted to answer today comes from Joe Cromwell, consistent listener of the show, also a consistent asker of questions for the segment which I always appreciate. Thank you so much for all the support, Joe. Really does mean a lot. Joe asked, is it just me or is it harder to watch them lose close games than get smoked and lose interest when your expectations are to lose? I kind of feel the opposite. And maybe this is where we differ because my expectations, and if you've been watching the crossover episodes, uh, I've been predicting the Blackhawks to lose more times than not, and I still think that should be the expectation throughout the year, especially if they're going to be banged up. I know that's obviously unpredictable, but definitely can happen throughout the course of an NHL season. Very physical game, obviously. Um, I think there's still going to be plenty of losses. So, like, I think the expectation maybe shouldn't be to I don't know. This is a tough question because I don't want to like tell how I don't want to tell someone else how to feel. But for me, um, given, you know, the incentives behind losing games this year, obviously a better chance at landing Connor Bedard or Adam Fantilli or one of those top selections. um, With that being the incentive in the Blackhawks still fighting hard, but losing games like to me, I, I think that's. That keeps me more invested. And it's easier for me to kind of accept the losses when I know this season is still going to have a lot of that, uh, but they still kind of have their moments and look good throughout the way. That's just how I feel about it, though. Um, Just maybe I feel that way because last year when they were getting blown out, also there was like the dark cloud hanging over the team and just made watching Blackhawks hockey not fun. Like last year was honestly miserable. So um, maybe that's why this year has been a little bit easier to watch for me personally. Um, and maybe that's why I I don't get too upset when they lose because I I know those incentives in the back of my mind. So yeah, I I don't want to tell anybody to feel, but how to feel, but for me, um, I feel like, no, I feel like this is much easier hockey to watch, uh, keeps me much more entertained. And, um, if the Blackhawks win, I'm happy. Like, I, I know that may not help them in their future, but watching this team win after how they lost last year. It'll never get old to me. So that, that's how I feel personally about it. But teach their own, Joe. Second question I'm going to answer today comes from Jamie Pierce 88, another consistent listener of the show, who asked, do the Hawks still have a Tampa first round pick this year? Because it could end up being a much higher pick than expected. Let's hope Tampa's aim is to just make the playoffs. I know it's early and they may go beast mode, but it feels like they're slowly slipping. Thoughts? 
This was actually something that uh, got brought up when I did a crossover, I believe, with Chris and Kyle from Lockdown Avalanche. Yeah, because we did our season predictions ahead of uh, the season opener between the Blackhawks and Avs. Yeah, it was on that crossover. But um, obviously, I think we all know Tampa Bay is still a very, very talented team. I mean, they still have all their core guys for the most part. Uh, and the big name guys, too, obviously, to carry the way. Stamkos, Kucherov. Braden Point, Victor Head, Andre Vasilevsky. Yeah, they're they're still absolutely stacked. But I, I think for them, it's almost like the Chicago Blackhawks back in, you know, 2013 to 2015, I would say, more so once they kind of knew what it took to have success in the playoffs. It was all just about kind of getting in. And I feel like that's where the Tampa Bay Lightning are at right now. So I do agree. I feel like Tampa Bay's aim is just to qualify for the playoffs. Like whether they have home ice or not, while I'm sure they would love to have home ice, uh, they know that in their locker room, they have what it takes to win in the most crucial time of the season. So just getting into the playoffs, I feel like that's kind of the goal for them right now. Um, But I don't expect them to slip. I don't expect them to miss the playoffs. They're just too good of a team. I expect the Blackhawks still to be picking somewhere in the 20s, but yeah, it definitely could be a better pick than we had originally thought because Tampa Bay's goal may just be to qualify for the playoffs. Now, again, like uh, like Jamie mentioned here, they definitely have the capability to go beast mode and go on an incredible run, and they certainly could still be the one or the two seed, but I wouldn't be shocked also if they just kind of get in. That's all you really need to do when you have that type of team, so Definitely is a chance, but yes, the Blackhawks do still have Tampa's first 2023 and 2024. Uh, hopefully this will be the case for Tampa the next few years. Hopefully they'll be one of the last teams to sneak in and just want a wild card spot because that's all they need. They don't need to prove much more, uh, and we know they're capable of winning regardless of where they finish in the standings. Third and final question I'm going to answer today comes from Nate Olin, who asked, do you think the Blackhawks trade any of their defensemen this year with so many guys in Rockford and in the pipelines looking promising? Yeah, this is something I've kind of talked about throughout the last few months. I feel like if anyone's getting traded, we know it's not going to be Seth Jones. No one's going to pay him. No one's going to take on that contract. It's not going to happen. Caleb Jones, I don't think they're going to trade him in the middle of the season, given that, uh, well, He's off to a good start offensively. The defense still is a little bit of an issue for him. Obviously, he's Seth's brother. I don't think they'd do that. They already shipped out Riley Stillman, which I think was a smart move, also considering what they got for him. I mean, yeah. Maybe Jake McCabe or Connor Murphy. I feel like uh, McCabe would probably be the one more likely, given that Murph has kind of been a leader here and kind of been, you know, he obviously wears a letter now and he's been here the past few seasons. and. Um, I, I feel like his connection to the organization and to the city and to the franchise probably has him tied up here a little bit longer than McCabe if it had to go down to one of them. But I, I think it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. Like there, there's probably another team out there that would be willing to take on Jake McCabe's contract, especially if he has a strong start here. So we'll see. I, I don't think that's out of the uh, out of the realm out of the it's definitely a possibility. We'll see. But I do think if uh, if someone's getting moved, maybe one of those two guys, maybe someone wants Jack Johnson as a depth ad. Maybe that happens. Maybe Jared Tenorti has some interest if he kind of plays well. I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, I don't think it's crazy to think that the Blackhawks could be trying to move on from one of those guys um, to kind of open up some spots for, yeah, Alex Vlasic, 
Alec Regula, Ian Mitchell, Jakob Galvis, Isaac Phillips, those guys that are going to be coming up these next few years. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Halloween, October 31st episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you all again for tuning into the show and be sure to go and follow and subscribe to Lockdown Blackhawks, both on wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. And you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, you got to be sure to go and check out the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news and info around the NHL as the season is now underway. It's free and available on all platforms. So be sure to go and check out Lockdown NHL right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you all for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman 2, or you could also check out my strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for tuning into the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.